0: So appreciate being here with you it's um, I like guess I said I think it was on on Sunday the first time I uh, came to this building in Bath was 1991 which seems a really really long time ago I had hair on my head um, not just on my toes and feet and it's just I don't know it's, it's just Peter and Barbie were here I believe and it was just you just feel privileged to be in a place where you know, the DNA is sweet and powerful and amazing, and um, it, we, we're just blessed and privileged to be here. So thank you for inviting us. I want to start tonight with just asking you two or three questions. I just want to say they are not trick questions. So if you feel like, oh, he's gonna, you know, we're gonna go left instead of right, and he wants to, you know, jump off of this and show that nobody knows, that's not what I'm getting at. I, I actually want to know what you think. Um, so I'll start with Aishka since she had her hand up. Um, <laughs> she said, I'm gonna be sitting to the back, to your left. So I said, fine, you get the first question, I, I, yeah. So Aishka, and I'm gonna ask two or three people, I won't call you by name, just have your hands up. Um, and i get going obviously speak in this leadership lab, yep. and um, laboratory. laboratory, yeah, laboratory. Yeah, I, I can make that not sound intelligent. Um, <laughs> just a gift Americans have. Um, I'm not saying we dumb everything down. It just, yeah, we just don't sound edumacated. <laughs> so the question I want to ask the group, and I'll start with Aishka for her request, which is not true. Um, in thinking about leadership, um, what were the character attributes? Character. Attributes of the best leader you ever followed, and please don't say your spouse, even though that's the obvious answer. Best character attribute. Mm-hmm. Integrity. Okay. Excellent. And who was that leader? Yeah. you can drop the microphone next time that's right that's right okay so she's already taken jesus so you get to choose someone else um all right the question is for you just shoot your hand up in just a second what were what were the character attributes character attributes of the best leader you've ever followed anyway i'm happy to call on you really excellent Who was that? What was his name? Her name? Generosity. Excellent. That's a fabulous one. That's not going to appear on everybody's chart. But don't you find Jesus kind of generous on all fronts at all times? Amen. Excellent. Okay. Someone else? Encouragement. And who was that in your life that exemplified that? Think about that. We'll come back to it. So, and so the the question is, somebody that you've, like your youth leader, and they've they just left an impression on you. Bob, I was going to say Ed, but I used Ed the other day, so I can't use Ed. There was Ed White in the group, so I can't use. I'll use Cletus. You know, who 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 was it in your life that left that impression on you? So encouragement. And it's funny. I would have three or four people in my life that have left encouragement in me as well. It's. Uh, One of my favorite um, attributes. Josh? Don't smile at me if you don't have an answer. (laughs) Okay, and who was that? Mr. Reynolds. Wonderful. Amen. That is very accurate. Kian? Beautiful, Chad. Okay. Well, summary on this side. Yes, sir, James. Consistency. Awesome. Steady. And who was that? Beautiful accent. Consistency. That's fantastic. Okay, on this side. Yes, sir. Objectiveness. Oh, gentleness. (laughs) Yep. it's uh, it's eight ten. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Actually, it's eight fifteen. Gentleness, beautiful, and who was that? My Bible leader when I was growing up. Beautiful, outstanding. Again, that's another attribute that we would look at. Jesus, beautiful. Yes, sir. Okay. It's not like uh, you're doing it just to obey him. You're doing it because he says that you do it. Because, right. you know, it, you do it. Yes. It's like a willingness to obey what you say. It. Okay. So it's almost joyful obedience. Yeah, yeah. Something like beautiful. And who was that that yeah. exemplified that for you? Pastor Sean Okay. Beautiful. We like Bristol. It's a good town, city. Over here? Anyone? Yes, sir. Again, don't look at me because I will call on you. Avoid aversion. <laughs> <laughs> humility. Uh, there's been a few people in my life who have really told a lot about humility and knowing when they're challenging me and I kind of respect their right to challenge me. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Two different people. Anyone else in this section? Yes, sir. you're oh, getting all my points here tonight. Approachable. And who was that? Okay. Amen. Yes, absolutely. Um, now, if um, I was going to ask you a question. Um, well, I'll just say this. In, in the church that my wife and I got saved in, it was in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, middle part of the United States. It was 1977 when I became a Christian. And it was a, the church was exceedingly large, especially for that time frame in the 70s. Uh, There were 2,000 people in the church, Uh, miracles were happening, Um, signs and wonders, I saw things that I have never seen since. Uh, People were getting saved, it was absolutely amazing. Um, And then probably uh, Mike Bickle, anybody ever heard of Mike Bickle? Mike Bickle was my youth pastor. He was just a youth pastor at the time, but left an indelible impression and marks on my life that I, to this day, um, am thankful and deeply appreciative of. Probably a year, year and a half after I became a Christian, uh, miracles happening, the pastor stood up on a Sunday and admitted that he'd been sleeping with four different women in the church while all the miracles were happening. It was a great message, yeah. (laughs) Everybody encouraged, and the church immediately went down. We lost a thousand people overnight, so it was a church of a thousand. And then uh, a short Welshman came to our church named bren Jones, and some of you may have heard of him. If you haven't, that's that's okay. He was a wonderful man, and that's how we were introduced to Bryn. And that's kind of my and my wife and I's connection to the UK was this wonderful amazing Welshman named Bryn Jones and he began highlighting some of the things that I would like to talk about tonight that were essential part of leadership an essential part of leaders but my question would be and again it's not a trick question but as you if you've been a Christian for a little while you probably have seen some things my question would be very simple very simply this why do you think from what you've observed why do leaders fail really simple question not complicated not looking for some amazing answer you know that's that I can't pronounce Um, yes ma'am yes 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 Just kind of a double whammy yes absolutely because people do certainly put you can put you up on a pedestal is Yep, and some leaders are happy to sit on that pedestal. It's a very dangerous teetering thing, but, yeah. Yes, okay, yes, sir. Okay, that's a very biblical answer. Lose their first love. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Um, why, why do leaders fail? And one was pride. The, the answer was pride, and uh, James said they lose their first love. Yes, ma'am. No, take, on take on too much and don't know how to delegate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir? I think that sometimes it's very difficult for them to have real contact with many, many people within their church. And therefore, their, their guidance counselors are restricted in number. Okay. So. Okay. okay okay being out of touch maybe with the necessary people and losing touch with with the actual sheep okay excellent I would agree with that sir yes ma'am too much self yes which is probably the ugly twin sister to pride becoming self absorbed one more Keen? okay Yes, absolutely. Accountability. It's on my list. <laughs> That's good. That's a good answer. Aishka, did you have your hand up? Okay. Okay, so they don't, don't have peer relationships? Okay. All right. And Josh, since you had your hand up, I didn't want to feel like I preferred her over you. Uh, like independence just I can do this Okay, independence? Independence, absolutely. Well, what I'd like to look at for the next few minutes is just look at uh, some different things about leadership that over the years, that and my wife and I, in serving different churches, um, we mentioned at the Shepherd's Day on Saturday, my wife and I have led probably uh, five different churches, uh, a couple in the UK and the rest in the United States, and we've also pastored in a couple of other churches where we weren't, you know, the the main pastor the lead pastor senior pastor whatever so we've been in a number of different situations we've I believe I worked with five different apostles um, in their direct ministry and seen a lot of different giftings a lot of different personalities a lot of different traits Um, and if you you know if you are blessed to live long enough you you see a lot you see things that you absolutely admire that that person was just amazingly generous and you'll never forget it and it just it just leaves something on you an impression and you know you you, as you get older as I as I get older you look back on those days and you realize the investment that people put into you and their their stamp as it were on your life and you're so thankful you're so appreciative and then I want to emulate it what was beautiful I want to emulate well what I see in Jesus I want to walk in that and Lord help me see if it caught my attention enough that it stands out to me. Am I actually doing that? I, am I, have I become that gentle person? Have I, have I taken accountability into my life and embraced it and made it real? Do I have peer relationships, you know? Um, so it's just, it's just really, really important. And I, my wife and I think about leadership all the time. We uh, value it. And what I said on Saturday, I believe, uh, and if I didn't I should have the the church that we serve in St. Louis it's only going to be as healthy as our relationship as it, as we go on the inside the church will go you can only export what you have so if you're healthy you will export health um, and if you are challenged or broken and, and really unhealthy ways, because we all have, does anybody have challenged areas in their life still that are not perfect yet? Because I can put a number of um, things up in the air and just say, yes, I still have issues. But but you know, because my wife and I have been in some challenging situations where, and I, I we just talked with a couple the other day, there's probably a period of about four or five years where we were just absolutely devastated with things that had happened to our family externally to our family where I, we were not healthy and we were in no place to be giving out to anybody and we had to step back from our, our primary calling in life and just get healthy and find health on the inside because I'm whatever, wherever I'm at if I'm a weed patch guess what I'm going to give away to people You know, if I'm bitter and crusty and cynical, that's what I'm going to be exporting into people. And you think, Jesus came. Everybody wanted to be around Jesus because everything that came out of him was sweet water. It was pure. It was righteous. It was gentle. It was kind. It was power. And so I think Jesus, as as a leader, whether you are one or aspire to be one, and I hope there's both in this room, it's to look at the things that Jesus... Values that the Father in heaven prizes. What is he, what's important to Jesus? What is, when, the, when the Father looks down and he, and he said to his son before he'd done anything at all, he said, That's my son, and I am well pleased with him. No miracles, no teachings that are recorded, nothing. It's just in the integrity of his heart, in the wholeness of his heart, his Father looked down from heaven. I am so proud of you what's in here is beautiful to heaven it's a it's a cologne that is fragrant and powerful and so I think Jesus I want to be like that and the I'm gonna look at um, probably two or three different leaders tonight one is Moses and we're just gonna kind of wander through I have lots of material here so I'm going to uh, as the Spirit leads kind of pick and try and hit some of the things, but it's just different things in liters that I believe are so essential. It's like key ingredients. If you if you leave this out of the cake batter, it's not gonna look like a cake. It's, it's just, it, it ain't gonna come out pretty. You know, you can put sprinkles on the top of the cake, and the sprinkles are nice. Sprinkles are good, but it's not necessary that the cake look like what's on the, on the package, on the outside. You know, you can put different frosting on it, but does the cake taste like what it says it's supposed to taste like? So I just wanna touch on some different aspects of leadership. And the first one that I wanna touch on tonight, we find in Exodus chapter two. So I'm gonna look a little bit at Moses' life, a little bit at David's life, and maybe a little bit at Peter's life. But the first one is Exodus chapter two, and I'm just gonna read three or four verses very quickly. This is the story of Moses. He's one of the gentlemen uh, in the Bible that I um, personally have gleaned an amazing amount from just in terms of leadership. Moses led 2 million people for 40 years. He was an amazing, ama- they had miracles every single day in the nation of Israel. It was power, 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 amazing things that happened to him, part the Red Sea. I just, you know, they, they followed a uh, uh, pillar of fire they followed a cloud a rock followed them it was just you know shoes didn't wear It was pretty cool Moses was a powerful powerful man and his story starts in the book of Exodus in chapter 2 we We're going to pick it up in verse 12 and you, most of you will know the story baby saved they're trying to kill all the babies um, beautiful baby and Moses is raised in Pharaoh's own household which is beautiful and amazing so we'll start in verse 11 of chapter 2 Exodus and we'll read through 15 one day when Moses had grown up he went out to his people and looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his own people actually I'm reading from in ESV that your father gave me Ken. so if you don't have an ESV I'm sorry (laughs) I tried to do the NIV, it seems a little more international. Uh, he He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, verse 12. He looked this way, this is Moses, verse 12. He looked this way and that. And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? And he answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid. And he thought, Surely the thing, the thing, the thing is known. Surely the thing is known. when Pharaoh heard of it he sought to kill Moses but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well and the story goes on so the first thing that I would just like to touch on that I think is absolutely essential that Aishka because you had your hand up I called on you she said integrity that's the first thing I want to touch on tonight Is the beauty the power the importance how much Jesus our father in heaven Holy Spirit integrity and this is what I have written down on my notes integrity is everything for a leader integrity is everything for a leader it's everything it is what Jesus is looking at it's what you're like when no one's looking when no one's looking that's where your integrity really is it's moral uprightness it's the, the standard by which you and I live our lives and in chapter 2 verse 12 two things are highlighted by the scripture the first and I believe I touched on this in the Shepherd's Day on Saturday and verse 12 Moses saw something and then he did something and the scripture in verse 12 says looking this way and that so Moses sees an injustice sees something wrong he's like yeah nobody over there looking nope all clear I can do what I want to do right now no one's watching and he went out and he slew the egyptian and what i found is all too often in life for most of us sin happens when we think think nobody's looking most of the time because moses sin was premeditated it wasn't just a reaction He just didn't fly off the handle he didn't throw a tomahawk i don't know if they had tomahawks then you know tomahawks very common in american history so S- throws a tomahawk, splits the Egyptian. I just flew off the handle. I'm so sorry. No, he was ticked. And I think he had seen things for years and maybe decades of his life up to that point. And he was sick and tired of seeing his people being oppressed. And he said, this day, I'm going to do something about it. Is anybody looking? Is anybody out there? Nope. And so he went and he struck the Egyptian down and altered the course of his life. Sovereignly, if you're into the sovereignty of God, which on some aspects we should be, God used that. But the bottom line is Moses was driven into a desert experience for 40 years. He had to run from his situation instead of going the godly route, which may not have been to throw a tomahawk at the at the Egyptian. The consequence of his action was barrenness the consequence of his action was desert experience no one's looking i'm just going to do that's one of the lies that i find in my life is i think no one's looking but you know what there's all my point is there's always someone watching always always well how do you know well the holy spirit's always watching always there he's always with me and here's a thought that doesn't make me happy the demonic spirits are aware of everything that I'm doing all the time they're not stupid and I don't like the demonic spirits knowing my weaknesses I don't like evil spirits knowing or the devil knowing my tendencies on the negative side because you know what he's gonna do next time He's going to come back and try that same weakness because he's not the devil isn't stupid he's a snake and he's tricky and crafty the word of god calls him and all too often when things we don't think anybody's watching people are watching can i just say for me was to deal with my stuff and i want to use the the word out of um, the phrase out of the esv what is the thing that I've been dealing with for so long. What is the thing? Whether it's pride, whether it's uh, looking at things on the internet, that thing. My wife and I could tell you way too many stories of finally that time when the child came downstairs and found the parent looking on the internet and lost all credibility with her child. Can I just encourage us in leadership or wanting to be in leadership, deal with the thing in my life. It seems to keep pulling me down. And, and one of those things, Kian, that I may get to in a little bit, that I believe with all of my heart, I'll be preempting myself here just a little bit, is accountability. Who, and I, again, I said this on Saturday, who knows what makes me tick and who knows what ticks me off? Who knows my stuff? Who know? Who knows actually the word, the phrase, the thing that seems to get me? Whether it's anger, whether it's pornography, whether it's alcohol, whether it's uh, shoplifting, stealing, gossiping. Whether, who knows the thing? And I have found having accountability doesn't fix me. But if I have someone who loves me, they'll hold me accountable. Somebody who knows the thing in my life. So my question to you, is rhetorical. Every time I say that in St. those, I know the answer. No, it's rhetorical. I'm not looking for an answer. It's different meaning in the United States. It's like a wet paint. It's rhetorical. Can I answer? Yeah. Does my friend know the thing? And is it a type of friend who is a truth teller? Who will call me and say, Hey, Tom, how's the thing doing? And it's just, and it's somebody who loves me enough to care for me. They love me enough to ask me because they don't want the thing to ruin my life. They don't want the thing to ruin the credibility. So, who is that person in your life? And can I just encourage you, if you don't, get one? Tom, talk about those guys that. uh, Rand, come here and talk about those guys. (laughs)
1: Okay, they don't call me, first of all, but it's, he's got men in his life who have come to him and said, I have to travel a lot. Can I be accountable to you? Can you just check up on me that I'm not watching things I shouldn't be watching in the hotel rooms? And so he does. He, when he hears certain friends calling, or going, traveling on business, he will call them and just say, how you doing? How's it going? And sometimes, you know, it may not always be a good report. But just to have that relationship has really helped these men. And the wonderful thing is, is I don't know all about it. He doesn't, Tom doesn't share, you know, details and who they are and all the stuff with me. I don't know.
0: Well, no, 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 no,
1: I really don't. But it's just, you know, it's a different type of friendship and relationship. Who does that? There were some guys in St. Louis, and those of you who are very tech savvy will know how to do this, but there was a group of about a dozen young men who had some kind of program on their computer that would alert their friends if they were looking at stuff they weren't supposed to look at. It would go to all the other, you know, one guy would be looking at something, all the other 11 would know where his friends were. Do you know about those kind of programs that you can get? How wonderful is that to come to an agreement where we can be accountable to people and it will just help us to stay pure and to achieve everything that God has for us. Um, and it's just a new way of thinking. And, and of course, you have to be trustworthy people. You don't want others blabbing your business. You know, one of the things Tom said Saturday was in a marriage to have somebody that your spouse is happy for you to go to. Like if Tom is not listening to me, if he's, if I feel like he's not doing well in an area.
0: He's in the mode. He's not listening yeah. to me.
1: And that I have somebody I can call. And I have done it one time in all of our, our years of married life. Only to find out he'd already called the guy. And they'd already been talking yeah I just felt like Tom wasn't dealing with something very well and it was something outside of our relationship and I called his friend and his friend said it's okay I've been talking to him it's okay
0: so, and I, I've just I've found it as a safeguard and my my youngest son he's 22 now he had a group of young men probably 16 17 18 19 and they had a a purity posse. I don't know what else to call it, but there was, you know, seven, eight, nine kids. I, I don't, I did not call them that. Um, and I also didn't tell you which son it was. So, but they, he had a group of his friends that checked on one another and they had a Uh, A computer thing with each other but they would regular phone calls what if I did that when I was 45 years old what if I did it when I was 63 years old the people in my life know what that thing is that I've struggled with so long and it it doesn't eliminate the problem but I tell you what when my friends who travel internationally or in the United States and they they are in hotel rooms they're out on their own there's they have to go to a restaurant they're gonna go to a uh, their room, and they're going to walk right past, past the hotel bar. And so I, they call me ahead of time, and it's it's, it's reciprocal agreement. And uh, hey, I'm going to Honduras next week. Um, I said, good. Just you know, walk right, walk right. And then within two days of them getting back in town, I sit down and I ask them really pointed questions. And the last one is always, uh, have you lied to me? In the last five minutes (laughs) because that's gonna be like another lie and Jesus is listening it's so important to have people I'm not an island we are meant to live in community and the community can I just say this the community has to be real really really real and as leaders how many leaders may not have fallen if they didn't have you know they actually had somebody asking them hard questions along the line they already know what their two one two or three issues are and they're actually talking about those things and struggle it's just it is so important and I've seen so many people that I know they're good people and I'll even say this: so many of my friends great people have fallen great people have fallen into sin they're great people God loves them so much. He loves them just as much as me. And almost on every occasion, without exception, they had no accountability in their life. They were just on their own. And I'm not talking about ministry people. I'm talking about people, leaders in churches, who are carrying the heartbeat of God. It makes all the difference in the world. So I just wanted to touch on that for a second. The second thing that I wanted to point out is this. And it's also found in verse Twelve, And it's so important in its integrity 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 and it is it is twinned with the first one But in verse 12 of chapter 2 it says this He looked Moses. He looked this way and that and seeing no one he struck down the Egyptian and The next few words says this and he hid him in the sand so moses just didn't commit premeditated murder moses then did something that was going to affect the rest of his life and i'll come to that in just a second i believe personally bible doesn't say so but i we can walk through it later i can prove my point point. i'll be listening i'll be humble um, but i believe moses had a little bit of an anger issue but that's just my own opinion so in anger watching uh, unrighteousness happen he struck the Egyptian and killed him but he didn't just kill him then he covered it up and patted it down and just buried it and I found all all too often in life it's not just the sin I commit in the actual commission of the act it's what I do with it afterwards I'm covering something up. And here's the funny thing what I bury in darkness tends to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever I put into the ground and cover up in darkness, it grows. Wow. It doesn't go away. It's not like I put a rock in there and the rock just stays there. Um, sin is alive, it, it has actions, it has tendencies, it has um, action of its own. And if you will remember, and I, we won't spend too much time on it, but in Numbers 20, don't turn to it, make a reference, Numbers 20, verse 11. Moses, and if you, if you follow through the Bible and, and Numbers, and just all through it, how many times it says the people rebelled, the people argued, they wanted to stone Moses and Aaron, and they, they were just, they were a rebellious people. I believe it's Numbers 13 or 14, at one point God says, okay, we're just going to wipe them all out, and just me and you, Mo, we're going to start all over. And God says, the rebellion that they have towards you, it's, it's not you, Moses, that they're rejecting, it's me. We'll kill them all. And Moses, because of the integrity of his heart, said, no, 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 don't. You know, what about your reputation in the nations? Don't kill them all. Have mercy. And Moses, over and over and over. And here's where I find what happens with leaders. It's over and over and over and over and over and over again. Things irritate you. Things bother you. And I believe Moses, for 40 years, 35-ish, was sick and tired of the people's moaning and rebellion against them. And finally, there's no water another time, and the Lord tells Moses, speak to the rock. And just before, the people have been grumbling for the 9,463 time. And Moses said, you know what, I'll, I'll give you water and took and struck the rock twice in anger. The funny thing is water came out, enough to feed a couple of million people and a few million animals. Water came out. The miracle happened again. But the Lord said to Moses, because you have misrepresented me, you presented me as something that I'm not. I'm not angry. It's a miracle in itself. I told you to speak, not show anger again. And because of that, you will not go into the promised land. And I think that's all Moses wanted was to go into the land flowing with, with milk and honey. But the thing that he had buried forty years ago, the Egyptian in the sand, had grown again and sprouted leaves and fruit. Pardon? It's a seed that's correct and he hid it instead of saying going to Pharaoh and saying this is what I've done I'm confessing my sin he may have lost his life been ejected whatever but at least he wasn't hiding what he had done and dealing with repentance and openness and vulnerability he hid it and I believe it sprouted fruit 40 years later the same issue in his life and the consequence this time was you don't go into the promised land and that was the only thing that Moses was living for at this point was to cross over into the promised land. What I bury tends to grow fruit. And On the happy side, can I just say this? Actually, Moses did make it into the promised land. If you remember the Mount of Transfiguration, he was there with Elijah. He actually went. It was just a little further down the road. But in his lifetime, his dream was to lead his people over the Jordan into the Promised Land. And because he wasn't dealing with in integrity his issue, it was ruined. Satan wants, believe me, with all of his heart, Satan wants to destroy my reputation with the thing in my life. He wants to ruin me. And I'll just say this, I believe this with all of my heart. He will wait until he has the maximum amount of destruction before he does what he wants to do. Till i am at the apex of my influence and then bring me down because it will cause the most amount of destruction and i I don't have proof source for that i just believe it over watching but there is one little scripture that i think highlights just how crafty our enemy is and it's found in luke chapter 4 verse 13 again make note of it and if jesus was in the desert and he was being tempted Jesus obviously used scripture and godliness and resistance and told the devil to shove off. That's Tom's version. And this is what the scripture says in Luke 4.13. When the devil had finished all his tempting, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him, Jesus, he left him until an opportune time. When Jesus is tired, when Jesus is thirsty. See, the devil is not going to come and get you when you're at your zenith. You know, you're strong, you're doing good. He's going to wait for a time when I'm vulnerable. And the devil understands opportune times. Our enemy doesn't play nice, and he doesn't play fair. So why don't I just deal with the thing now while I can and kill it and run a stake through it? Deal with my issues now. And I, I touched on it um, yesterday uh, on Saturday, but just for those who weren't there, I uh, walked through very quickly. David in First Samuel, I believe it's 18. In First Samuel 17, David slew Goliath, and in First Samuel 18, uh, the people in the land began to sing songs. And. The song that they sang, the women, actually, the scripture says in 1 Samuel 18, the women sang a song, Saul, his king of the land, Saul has killed his thousands. But David has killed his tens of thousands. And the women were singing the song. And it says, King Saul heard it and got a little ticked. <laughs> and it says from that, point on basically he didn't trust David because the glory was going to somebody else and not him but my point is this the women of the land were singing a song about this happening kid this obviously anointed kid and in 1st Samuel 16 the scripture itself actually says that David was ruddy and handsome he was a good-looking kid and I think David got used to the accolades of women singing his praises. Rock on, David. You're a da man. You're handsome. You're probably right. Until in his 50s, When kings go out to war, David's at home because he's in his 50s, not quite as passionate about the things of God, not quite as passionate about extending the borders of Israel. Things are good. Things are soft. I've maybe got some things buried in the ground. The thing. And he looks over his balcony and sees a married woman. A beautiful married woman. Murders the husband, sleeps with Bathsheba, and from that point on, it was nothing but pain in his life for the rest of his days. Horrific story. But the funny thing and the beautiful thing and the amazing thing is, because he repented, he had a truth-teller come into his life named Nathan. If you remember the story, Nathan, a truth-teller that he had a relationship with. Nathan walked into his life and said, bing, bing, bing. And what did David said? You don't understand. I'm the king. Get away from me. Nope. David said, I have sinned against who? I've sinned against God. I have abused my authority. Things in my life are completely out of whack. Father, I have not honored you. He didn't mention the guy he murdered or committing adultery, but he he understood God's heart in the moment. Father, I have abused what you have given me. I've abused our relationship. Uh, Things have grown cold in my heart. I've lost my first love. I've sinned against you. Obviously, there are natural consequences. But because he owned up to it, the Father let him stay on the throne. And afterwards, the scripture says this. He was a man after God's own heart. That's after David's gone, that statement was made. A man after God's own heart. Why? He had issues, but he was open and transparent about it. He didn't try and hide it. I didn't. Bury this thing. When I was talked to by men of God, prophetic men of God in my life, I'm the man. I did it. And so, how am I doing? Do I do I have truth tellers in my life? Am I pursuing them in my life? It's so important. The second point I want to touch on very quickly, is and it's very simple. We it was mentioned earlier, which I so appreciate, an aspect of leadership that I believe paramount and it goes hand in hand with the first is a simple attribute of humility God loves it he it's the oxygen that Jesus breathes there's a quick story in the book of numbers and it it's one that, um, it's so powerful it's numbers 12 I'll read it for you real quick sometimes I read really good numbers 12 is just 3 verses long It says this, Miriam and Aaron spoke, that's sister and brother, Miriam and Aaron, brother and sister of Moses, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married the Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Verse three, now the man Moses, speaking about himself, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And you will know the translation. It says, Moses was the most humble man on the earth. It's an amazing statement. (laughs) Until I step back and think, he wrote it about himself. (laughs) He's disqualified. (laughs) It's in scripture because it was actually accurate. It was true. And the Lord said, write it because you are. It was so beautiful, so powerful, so amazing. And God was so unhappy that the the lady, the sister, had a little uh, problem with her hand for a while. And you can read that on your own. But I believe humility is one of the three or four keystones in any leader's foundation stones in every leader's life. It's beautiful to heaven. It's intoxicating to heaven. It's winsome. It's like it's like you know you're you're walking past a, a uh, what are they, the bread shops in France? What are they? A patisserie. There you go. I only speak Italian, so I get lost. You're you're walking down a street in Paris and you just smell the fresh bread and you're like, "Oh, Jesus. Yes. Let's go have some of that." And that's the way humility is to the Father. It just it turns his head and said I'll bless that I'll bless that it's it was the very nature of Jesus himself and Moses embodied it when we look at Jesus life there's two or three scriptures I just want to just touch on and highlight and you can look at it in John chapter 13 it's one of the most famous passages about Jesus and In verses 1 through 17 and at the beginning of john 13 it says this jesus loved his disciples to the end and there is a translation that says that jesus wanted to show his disciples the full extent of his love and what did that look like he wrapped a towel around him and he bent down and he washed all the disciples feet and of course peter had a conniption fit freaked out no no don't do that why because it's embarrassing The lowest of the low house servants, the least of any of the servant of the house is the one who washes the feet. Jesus, you are, you're the Messiah. You're the teacher. You're the great prophet. You're, you can't do that. And Jesus said, no, I want to show you what a leader looks like. I'm on my feet in front of you and the dirty, nasty, foulest part of the body. I'm just going to wash that for you and make it really clean. And if the king of the universe can bend his knee to wash people's feet, what about me? How, really, how important am I? In my own eyes. How important am I? You know, whatever the extent of my ministry, whether I'm the sound guy, whether I'm over the crash, whether I, you know, charge of the greeters, honestly, how important do I think I am? In my own eyes. You know, and there's, it's if I want to be great in the kingdom it's humble myself and probably do what nobody else wants to do because that's what Jesus did Jesus is on the throne eternal he's in heaven takes off his crown takes off his robe lays aside all his gold and all the accolades of all the the angels and says you know what I'm gonna humble myself and become lower even than the angels for a little bit I am gonna lay aside all my glory And do something that honestly I don't need to do but it's my father's will and I'm gonna lay down and humble myself show these guys if you because they're all jostling position hey I'm the greatest who's the greatest I'm the greatest hey mom can you go talk because I don't know that he's getting how important we are so could mommy could you go and of course all the brothers love that I can imagine the comments about mommy and their relationship with mommy because guys, guys don't play nice in the box sometimes. Um, and then Jesus takes it one step for, further and lays his life down willingly to show them this is what love looks like. This is what being the leader, commander, the most important person in the room, this is what it looks like. I'm just, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to die for you. It's so important. The scripture says this in James 4, 6. God opposes, he is opposed, he is opposite to, he is resistant to, he is in antagonism towards the proud. But he shows favor, the favor of heaven to the humble. How important is it? I would put it in my top three, my top four of attributes that I I want Jesus to see in my life. James 4:10 says humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So if you want to be a worker of miracles, please. If you want to lead thousands to the Lord in evangelism, please. But that's not my value. That's not what makes me important. That's not what makes me great. It's still helping the lady up the steps who's struggling. It's helping that mom who's got three kids and you're tired and she doesn't have a husband. And you say, I just want you to take Saturday off. Here's 40 pounds. Go buy yourself something. I want to come watch your kids on Saturday and just take a break. Because I love you. And it's doing exactly what Jesus would do. And it it doesn't note that preaching great sermons or all that is is what he's looking for but it's people who love people so in humility what does it look like it's honor 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 them it's make everyone else feel special it's make everyone else feel loved it's so simple respect them and it's and it's when you're with people and when i'm with people it's actually be in the moment because if you like you're a small group leader My wife and I led small groups for years, and typically they were. Um, It was just my gift of leadership, probably shining. Who, Who in here has ever led a small group? Most everybody. Okay, typically in small groups, you have two people, Sister Thorn and Brother Sandpaper. And they love and delighting that the room temperature is off why are these cookies always so bad Um, they always have the critical moment oh you look tired tonight yeah I'm tired of seeing you you know it's just it's just they're just irritating people I did not say that that was something I somebody else told me to say I, I I forget I you know Randy and I were with I she said something about small group I don't know so if you're in a small group you need to probably go see her Pete, I'm sorry. You've got to. You've got to. Apparently, she wants to tell you about the no, first home group. We did shut our first two down completely. Yeah. Shut them down, dead as a dodo, never to be resurrected. We had a real gift. Go
1: ahead. It was our very first home group. It was in a family's house, so it was the mom and dad <laughs> and and their adult children. And they um, had a big dog who would go out and roll in the field and then come in and lay right down in the middle of the meeting and just be very gross. And uh, one of the sons had his girlfriend in the home group meeting. She would sit on his lap. They would go and they would smoke in the kitchen. But the highlight where there was two people who would have, we would have dueling testimonies. And it, they were lying. They were just lying. So this one person would say, well, I was, you know, at work, I was talking to my co-worker and I led him to the Lord and he got filled with the spirit. And then the and he lady, and he, yeah, and healed. And then the lady over go, the same thing happened, but I had three people. They came to my door and I was able to, do, and it would go back and forth. We are 25 years old. What do we do with this? These people are older than we are. We didn't know what to do. You know, and then finally the home group had to shut down. But it was just, it was absolutely dreadful. Oh, and then the mother, the mother whose house it was, she was like the queen. And she was, she would always kind of try to minimize herself and all, but she was waiting for the moment. She was waiting for the moment when she would ascend her throne and deliver the message. And she would for deliver. About 30 minutes. Yeah, and we're just kind of like, uh,
0: yeah. so the bottom line is we love people <laughs> but it's just but what I found over the years is is Jesus so it's I I yeah I don't think it's actually Satan who puts people in our lives like that I think it's Jesus and it changes my perspective on things they're not agents of the enemy <laughs> they're Jesus children Who are going to show me what's in my heart because it's sister Thorne who shows me I'm not who I think I am and yes we need to encourage people yes we need to help people uh, control themselves in small groups and not dominate the group and not you know literally they were necking on the couch in front of the whole home group and you're like not in my book on leading home groups and necking you know yes no you know it's it, it just you, you, yeah the people, the people of god are funny i'm just gonna say that people of god are funny but am i going to kick them or am i gonna love them and am i going to come alongside people because honestly that's what people did for my wife and i People came alongside us and through our continued, we we shut down our first two home groups. The first church we ever pastored, we shut down. You know, I have a, I've got a great track record. If you want to feel good about yourself, come talk to me because you probably haven't had as much shutting down as we have had. (laughs) It's so important. It's so important to love Jesus' people. And I do believe he puts people in our lives to help me be real with myself and go to somebody, go to my wife and say, I am so struggling with Cletus. What would you do in this situation? Because I would, I would like to encourage him to go to a different group. Uh, we, call that, we call that the membership drive. You know, driving the members out. Um, and Jesus, I mean, you read the Bible, honestly, you look at the disciples. Didn't he have those people in his group? Yeah. I, I may read a list of things in a minute. I mean, he had he had Cletus in his group maybe two or three times. And they're fighting, they're bickering. He's, he's at the table. And he's got somebody who's about to betray him. And they're arguing at the table. Who's the greatest? This is after three and a half years. I mean, I, I, I say sometimes I think, Jesus is like, "Can I do a do-over? Can I make a trade? I'll take two of those for three of mine. John the Baptist has got some cool disciples. We need to import and export. <laughs> and, there, and then I think, how much patience has my wife showed with me over the years? What grace has my spouse shown me over the years? with all my inconsistencies, all my failures, all my attitudes, and no, you can't come up and grab the mic. (laughs) With all my issues, how many people have believed in me and spoke life into me? And I forget who said encouragement. Maybe it was you, sir. I I just believe in the power of encouragement so much. Because honestly, and I may, I may have spoke about this on Shepherd's Day a little bit, uh, alluded to it at least. Um, I, I have had a tendency in my life, in fact, I, I used a Daniel as the, um, I'll just tell the illustration. 18 months ago-ish, 20 months ago, I went to, I live in St. Louis, five hours away from Chicago, I went to Chicago and sat in Daniel's backyard garden, sorry, though there's not, it's mostly concrete. Cement, do you, what's the proper word? Concrete works, good, I wanna be appropriate. I'm sitting in the, in the backyard and I had gone to Chicago for two or three different things to meet with Dan, and, but one of the items was this, because he's, just, he's one of those people and, uh, in my life that I love and value and treasure. And so I sat down in the back garden and I looked at Daniel, I said, okay, Daniel, I said, all right, all right, all right. what do you see in my life that's not lovely. What do you see in my life that I need to change? And the word had just come out of my mouth. The the full stop, the period wasn't on the sentence yet. It said, confidence. And I'm like, that's a little too quick on the trigger. You know, could you just act like you don't know what my problems are? Hmm, let me think. Instantly, he's got the answer. I was like, ow, pause for a second, breathe before you, tell me what you see in my life that's not good. And you said confidence. He said you need to believe in the grace of God in your life the way Jesus does. It didn't feel good. <laughs> but it was life to me. It was good and it was gold and it was beautiful. Because somebody loves me enough to tell me the truth. Because if somebody's going to beat me up, typically it's me. And I know not everybody's wired that way. But it's just, it's, it's, it's a, one of the things in my life. And Jesus has healed my heart, but I still, you know, sometimes we can let the wheels go back into those old ruts in our life. And my friend was kind and loving and gracious enough because he said it amazingly gracious and walked me through it and gave me some chocolate afterwards and <laughs> made me feel better because chocolate makes me feel better. You don't have to tonight. I'll be here tomorrow. You can deliver the chocolate <laughs> And it's just those people But am I humble enough to hear am I humble enough to pursue other people help me because I don't want to yeah. I, I don't want to hurt people I don't want to if I'm struggling on the inside and export it. I'm going to harm other people Please help me to not be that person. It's so important. just wanna touch on one more before I close tonight. Actually, I'm gonna give you two, really quick. And it, and it, and it tags in with this one, because I, I think um, most people, and I, and I actually believe this, most people, uh, most leaders probably don't struggle with pride. Many, many, many way too many of us do. But most people I don't think struggle with pride most people disqualify themselves they downgrade themselves they downplay themselves they beat themselves up and I just want to give you ten quick verses you look them up on your own time and this is on tape Dan. okay so you can listen to the tape and get it later but it's it's having grace for others would be my point in leadership having grace for others and can if I can say this having grace it starts with having grace for yourself Stop disqualifying yourself. Holy Spirit qualifies you. He's always qualifying you. And so often I do the devil's job for him by disqualifying myself. Stop running yourself down. Stop having a lack of grace for yourself. Failures, if I can say this, failures are not the end of us. Failures are not the end of us. And this one just gonna quote some scripture real quick it's the life of Peter if there's anybody who should have been disqualified Peter may have been somewhere on the pitch it's the life of Peter and Matthew 4 18 to 20 Jesus calls Peter and he says follow me so Je- Jesus actually picked him the Prince of Peace picked this guy and Matthew 14 verse 28 to 33 Peter is sinking in the water his faith has failed him and Matthew and I know there's a good side he's the only one that got out of the boat but he did what he was sinking Matthew 16 21 to 23 Jesus looks at Peter straight in the eyes and says get behind me Satan and it was personal in Matthew 17, 1 through 5, it's the Mount of Transfiguration. We alluded to it earlier with uh, Moses and Elijah. And Jesus himself is transformed and becomes whiter than snow. He is in his full glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter, James, and John are up there with him. And Peter, always having the right thing in the moment, says, uh, Jesus, should we make a shelter for everyone? <laughs> and the Father from heaven said, um, Listen to him. Stop talking, Peter. Listen to Jesus. Matthew 18, verse 21 to 22. Peter, always again, good with numbers. Uh, Jesus, how many times must I forgive? Seven. Uh, Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're so close. It's seven times 70. So close. Matthew 26. 36 to 38, Matthew 26, 36 to 38, and verse 45. Again, same three dudes, Peter, James, and John. Jesus is going to the cross hours away from happening, and he only, he leaves nine behind, I think, very purposefully, and he takes three with him. Peter, James, and John, same three. They go into the garden, and guess what? Peter falls asleep three times. And Jesus comes back, he's literally sweating blood in agony he's taken his three closest people with him in his greatest moment of need and they're falling asleep John 13 again we alluded to this one earlier John 13 2 to 10 Peter rebukes Jesus washing my feet don't wash my feet don't do that Peter you're missing the moment again John 18 verse 10 11 they're in the garden the priests come and Peter, understanding exactly what to do pulls out a sword hacks off the priest or the the servant the priest servants ear hacks it off and Jesus is like oh <laughs> hey picks it up glues it back on healed looks at Peter and says dude n- no this is not my kingdom this is at the end of three and a half years of training And Peter is he's he still has a sword because we're gonna use it this is the moment no no Peter you, you just don't get it Luke 22 I think personally the worst moment of Peter's life at the the dinner last supper I'll go to the cross. I'll do anything. Hey, you can count on me. And Jesus looks at him and says, "Nah, actually, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. One, two, three. Denies to a little girl. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't even know the man. And the scripture says Jesus looks him straight in the eyes as he's being led away. Peter, you just denied me to a little girl." And the beautiful thing is, I think, in Jesus' love, in Jesus' eyes, wasn't, told you, bingo, how you doing? Fail on the exam. I don't think that was in Jesus' eyes. I think there was love in Jesus' eyes as he looked at his disciple and said, my friend, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because I know what this is going to do to you on the inside. You're going to destroy yourself on the inside over this. You're going to destroy yourself. And obviously, Jesus comes back and restores them and says, What? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Love them, love them, love them. And we won't go into the Greek, but it's to increasing depths of love. Peter, you're still the rock. And I'm gonna do this with you at the forefront, my friend. With all of your failures, I still believe in you. I will reinstate you to be the man who you really are because you are that man. All this category of failures, but failure isn't who you are. You're a mighty man of God, you're a mighty warrior. And I still believe in you and I will always believe in you. And is that how I lead God's people? So it's having grace for people like that. And I believe it starts with having grace for myself. Stop beating myself up and disqualifying me. Yes, I have issues and I'm gonna go to my brother and brothers as a man. I never go to a woman, right? You go to same sex that's similar sex <laughs> someone kind of a woman but now go to someone of the same sex you can edit this right Rosie can do anything. that's right Rosie do your stuff I believe in you the power of electronics help me Jesus <laughs> I go to my friend and I say Will you help me with the thing in my life? I keep failing. I'm not going to disqualify myself. Jesus doesn't. Can you help me so I don't harm other people? Daniel?